Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Hey everybody, happy Monday. Uh, We are going to get started in... uh, our Bible study this morning, and and we're going to be uh, looking at a study uh, that we're going to do for the next 11 weeks where we're going to be talking about the the topics that come out of the book Image Bearers. And so uh, a lot of you know that uh, that back in the beginning of 2020, we put a book out um, that uh, that Herbie wrote the the lion's share of, but a bunch of us had an opportunity to, to be part of that project. Ashley and I edited um, for him. And, and like the whole point of the book was really to, to almost kind of put a um, little bit of a manifesto about those things that we, that we believe that we stand on as a ministry and, um, and, and to put those out there so that we've put out into, you know, kind of um, out into the world and, and objectively those things that are, you know, that are, that are important about, um, about our ministry and important to our ministry here at Lifeline. And so we're going to, um, over the next 11 weeks, we're going to be looking at, um, at the topics uh, that come from Image Bearers. Um, Peyton sent out copies of the electronic copy of Image Bearers if you want to do more reading, but we're going to be just kind of keyed in on a few scripture passages each day over the course of the next 11 weeks um, before we jump into the book of Genesis. And so today we're, we're looking um, at the, the idea that people are created in the image of God. And, and so we're going we're gonna to start this morning in uh, Genesis chapter 1, um, starting in, in verse 26, um, and we'll kind of go 26 through, um, through pretty close to the end of the chapter, looking at um, this, this first rendering of this understanding of the sixth day of creation. And it says, um, Genesis one twenty six says, and then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and, and let, uh, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and all the earth and every other creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth. And God says, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food um, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And so it was, and God said, and God, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And so the first thing we see in Genesis 1 is, is this idea that God created people, God created um, humankind um, different, uh, exceptional, apart from the rest of creation. And, and the thing that sets us apart is this idea of being created in the image of God. And so um, we, we see kind of a clue to, um, you know, what it means to be created in the image of God, just by some of the things that, that are distinct about what, um, about what God says at the, at the time of, of creation. And so it says, 
um, that um, that man, that mankind is supposed to have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Um, and, and God gave this ability, gave this this charge and this responsibility um, to people because people have been um, created differently that um you know, I know that there there are some things, particularly within the green movement in, you know, in our world and, and people that, you know, kind of think in ecological terms. There's, you know, we see the silliness sometimes of um, PETA and, and other organizations that take to an extreme this idea of protecting animals or, or protecting the rest of creation. Um, and, and, and so, like, I think there's a balance that we find in scripture. First of all, we're supposed to protect creation. We're supposed to tend over creation. We're supposed to, um, to, to make sure that, that creation is stewarded well, because that's, that's what we as human beings have been created to do. And, and so from the very beginning, God said that we're the ones that are supposed to make sure that the world is taken care of. And we're supposed to tend to the animals and to tend to the fish and to tend to the birds. And, 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 and we're supposed to be mindful of the things that grow on the earth. And ultimately that, that there's work to be done for us, um, in intending to and bring an order to the rest of the world. Why? Because, because we've been created to reflect God in a way that the rest of the world hasn't. And so it's up to, and it's left to human beings to see about that order, to, to make sure that everything is, is kind of done properly and taken care of properly. And so, um, and, and, and so while we wouldn't buy into as Christians or shouldn't buy into, you know, the, the idea of the green movement where where all life is 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 sort of regarded equally. And, and there's this sense that 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 animals are treated in the same way that people are treated or that, you know, that that um, that, that caring for plants or clean water or any of that sort of stuff rises to the level of protecting human beings and guarding human beings like that's that's to look falsely upon the created order and 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 what god has made but there is a sense in which we're supposed to be the ones who who tend to and and protect and make sure that the world that god has created is um, is kept in order and and is stewarded well and and so ultimately we, we see the, the creativity of God in the fact that he's made and created and that he made everything that we know out of nothing and that we reflect his, his creativity and, and we reflect his, um, his work and, and we reflect ultimately who he is when, when we take care of the stuff that he's made. Um, when we make things with the stuff that he's made, when we, um, when we work hard at, um, at bringing good and, and, and bringing um, life and vibrance and health out of the stuff that God's made, when we're doing those things, we're reflecting the creative nature of God, and, and we're kind of giving the world um, like an illustration, an object lesson. We're giving the world a, a taste of, of who God is when we do those things well.
And, and so for, for you and for me, I think the way that we look at this is, is that the number one, that people have been created and that there's a, that there's a distinct uh, inherent dignity that comes with, with being a human being because, because on a much higher level, we, we reflect things about God. And so why are we supposed to esteem and protect human beings? We're supposed to esteem and protect human beings because human beings are reflective of God. Um, and, and that doesn't mean, um, and, and ultimately that means every human being is. That means unborn um, human beings that, that have yet to draw their first breath are still precious and, and created in the image of God. It means those that, um, that, that are afflicted with um, maladies, diseases, um, disabilities, that, that those things, while, while we recognize that that's a result of the fall, that there's brokenness all around us, brokenness doesn't invalidate the image of God. And, and that there's something that's super special about people. And when we treat people as special, when we treat them with inherent dignity, ultimately what we're doing is we're offering worship to God. We're not worshiping people. We're not enamored by people. We're not putting people up on a pedestal. But the way we value people is ultimately showing people about how much we value God. And so, um, so we see this idea that that there's that there's work that's to be done, and and that part of being a human being is that that ultimately we're doing the work that God set aside for us, that we're bringing order to and tending the world that God's created. Then you look over in in um, Genesis chapter two, we see another um, kind of different, more focused account of the sixth day of creation. And, um, and, and, and when we see that beginning in verse seven of chapter two, it says, then the Lord formed the man of, of, dust, of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom, uh, and, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And then you go over to verse 15 and, and it extends this. And in verse 15 says, um, then the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Um, and the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat it, you shall, you shall surely die. And so uh, the second thing that I, that I think we, we see about this idea of being um, created in the image of God is we've been created to do work. Um, and, and sometimes I think we, we think that work is a part or, or like we we've heard the narrative or somebody said along the way, I think there's a misconception that work is part of um, the the curse. It's part of the fall. It's part of the entering of sin into the world. And that's not true at all. That work ultimately was given to us um, to give us dignity and ultimately to give us something to do that that helps us to be able to reflect who God is and to, to give him glory. And so when we work and, and, and when we do work well, we ultimately are showing off something about the character of God because we have a God who is at work. We have a God who is sustaining the world. We have a God who creatively um, made everything that we know that God worked and he is working and he is working into the future that God worked in, uh, in history in order to, um, in order to shepherd Israel, God worked in history in order to bring Jesus to, to, to bear that God worked in history as, as Jesus paid for our redemption. God is, 
God, God will work in history in the future when, when Jesus returns again and, and establishes his kingdom. And there's a new heaven and a new earth that, that God is a working God. And so when we work, we ultimately have the ability to, and, and have the responsibility to, to reflect, um, the character of God. And, and, and so being created in the image of God means that we're a people that, that should work. Now, the, the, the curse means that our work is um, sometimes painful. It's sometimes not pleasurable. Sometimes our work is hard and difficult and we work in the middle of the mess and we get that right. Like at Lifeline, we work in the middle of messes all the time that are a result of the fall and a result of sin and, and are evidently broken and not the way God designed the world to be. But when we do those things, when we go in and work hard, when we apply ourselves, when we use our creativity, when, you know, when we when we come into those things, we ultimately are 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 doing something that that we're that we're showing who God is and 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 how God is when we work in those situations. And so to be passive, to sit by, to, to, to not be creative, to not work, to not um, create is, is, is ultimately an affront to God. That every one of us have been given gifts and talents and abilities, and and that that God's plan is that we would use those things and we would leverage them um, to steward over the earth, to to tend to those things that God's given us to tend to, and that ultimately that we would we would do our very best uh, because ultimately in striving to do our very best and 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 to live with excellence, we're ultimately reflecting the excellence um, of of God as the Creator. And, and, and understanding that God created excellently everything that we see around us. Now, now we understand that, um, that, that the fall has, has, has marred all of this, that, that sin and brokenness in the world has, has kind of thrown everything on its ear. And, and so, and, and so we, we work in ways and, and we work into situations that are broken and imperfect and hard, um, but but part of what we know as as those who are followers of Jesus is that 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 God ultimately has redeemed us and that the spirit lives in us that God dwells in us and that he works through us and so we take heart in the fact that we're not expected as the image bearers of God to do this on our own, but that we ultimately are the image bearers of God, but, but we're also like the bearers of the spirit of God and that God works out through us. And that even in our weakness, that God is made, made perfect and, and that God will work in and through our weakness. And so we go and, and, and we do our very best and we do it on behalf of God and we do it under the counsel of God and we and we go in the direction of the mission of God and, and that we do those things trusting that God will give us power and that he ultimately will accomplish his goal, which his greatest goal is, is to make Jesus known and to point the world toward Christ and to bring him glory and to ultimately point the world to the salvation that can only be found in Christ. And so today, if, if you're facing a situation that's bigger than you, know 
that as an image bearer of God and as one who's been redeemed by the by the by the blood of Christ and one who's indwelled by the Holy Spirit, that ultimately you can stand in those situations, that you can, as an image bearer of God, steward over them and 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 bring um, the 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 character and the um, and the presence of God into those situations that God will use you to do those things, not because you're strong, not because you can stand up on your own two feet, not because you're so resourceful, not because you're the most intelligent. He will do those things because he is who he is. And he will give you what you don't have and that he will that he, that he will resource you in ways that you're incapable and that God will be shown through and that when you allow God to use you, that ultimately you point glory to him and, and ultimately are testified to the entire universe of the reality of who God is and, and, and his greatness and his goodness. Now, next, we we understand that that to be created in the image of God also means that um, that that we, as as image bearers of of God, also are are sought after by God. Um, we're gonna we're gonna look over into the book of Luke, and I just have to get there. In the book of Luke, um, we see that that Jesus tells gives a parable. Um, about the about the great banquet, um, and and so this is this is what he says. He, Jesus is having a conversation with a with a rich man that he's been invited to to dinner, and he said also to the man who had invited him, beginning verse twelve of, of chapter uh, fourteen of of Luke. Um, and he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you have when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So Jesus says something really strange here. He says, when you have a party, don't invite people that are like you. Don't invite people that have um, as much as you have. Don't, you know, don't, don't just um, celebrate with and celebrate for those who are at your same level of, of society. He says, go out and find the lame and the poor and the broken and, the, and, and, and those that are forgotten by society. Why? Why does he tell us to do that? Why is he telling this man to do that? He's telling them that because ultimately part of reflecting the image of God is, is acting like God acts, and God's a redeemer. God has the character of a redeemer. God says about himself that he's the father to the fatherless, that he's the, um, that he's the defender of, of the fatherless. He, he says that, he's the, that, that he places the lonely in families, that God introduces himself in this way to say that he is the one who is the finder and the protector um, and the provider for those who can't find their way out, who can't correct their own problem, who, who can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps, that God is the defender of those who can't defend themselves. And for us, that's great news today because that's us. That we, all of us, at one point in our lives, were dead in our sin, hopeless, offensive to God. We were the enemy of God. And because of the work of Jesus, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, that he took upon himself our sin, 
that he atoned for it, and that he ultimately has, has, has the, the, the $10 theological word is that we've been imputed with Christ's righteousness. It means we've been infused. It means we've been, we've been like filled up, and, and that every fiber of our being has, has been infused with the righteousness of Christ. And that God ultimately invited us to the banquet. We were the lame. We were the poor. We were the broken. We were the ones that were on the outside. And that Jesus left heaven, came to this earth, walked in the middle of our mess, won a victory over it, and ultimately has paid for and has has brought us into the family of God that he has provided for our adoption. You, the, we we hear the the parable of the lost sheep and 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 Jesus you know Jesus tells the story about a shepherd and he says what shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one wanders off and goes astray what shepherd would not leave the ninety nine in a safe place in order to go after the one who was in danger and in peril and go and to bring it back and he says. He says that ultimately that, that the rejoicing that happens in heaven is the result of, of one who comes to Christ and one who, who turns from their sin and turns to Jesus, that, that the celebration that happens in heaven is infinitesimally greater than the celebration that that shepherd would make over bringing one lost sheep back to his fold. And he says, look, if if we as people who, who, who think we own things and and, and, and like act like we like we have stuff that that when we find lost things and celebrate over them, how much more must God um, must God really celebrate over things that are truly lost? And so he's reminding us that, that our job, that, that part of what we're uh, that we're created in the image of God to do is to is to be like God, to act like God, to reflect God into the world. And the, the way we do that is by going after the, the, the sick and, and, and those with a limp and those that are broken and those that are poor and those that don't have anything. And that's in a spiritual sense, not just in a physical sense. And so in a spiritual sense, we've been given this responsibility and this opportunity to be able to take the gospel to people who are spiritually sick, people who are rebellious, people who are dead, people who, who, are, who are caught in their own sin, and people who have no way out and who have no hope that we have the opportunity to be able to take the good news to them. I remember hearing a definition of evangelism one time, and it, and it said that, that evangelism, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And that's us. Like we were those beggars. We were those people that, that had nothing and that had no opportunity, but Jesus, uh, Jesus came for us and he provided for us. And that when we turn to him, his sacrifice is, sacrifice is enough for us. And that we ought to leverage every opportunity we have in life to be able to tell people about that and, and to point them to it. But then also that we should we should use our lives in ways that we're pressing into those people who are, who are tangibly struggling with the brokenness of sin and, and the mess that this world is because of the fall and because of the brokenness. And so when we reach into the lives of, of orphan and vulnerable children, when we reach into the lives of, of vulnerable men and vulnerable women, when we, when, we, when we press in and help vulnerable families, um, when we do those things, ultimately, um, we're, we're like a, a, 
like a little bit of an object lesson. We're a little bit of a um, we're a little bit of an example, and, and we're ultimately a little bit of a taste of the 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 greater work that 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 God has done through Jesus. And so when we do those things, we also get the opportunity to be able to point to a much greater reality. So people want to know, why do you do those things? Why do you work in a job where, where you work with hard people in hard situations? Why do you continue to press in and persist and do hard things? You could, you could do other things and you could probably make more money doing it. Why do you do those things? Will you ultimately, you have the opportunity to be able to say to people, but like the reason I do it ultimately is because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done for me. And he can do that same thing for you. Second Corinthians chapter five is kind of the place that we're going to round out our, our study today. And, and, and this is a familiar passage to, to a lot of us, to most of us. It's, it's a passage that we talk about a lot in terms of, of things like, um, Families count and, and other ministries. And, and basically, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, talks about the ambassadorship that we've been given, um, those of us that are in Christ. And so this is this is what Paul says. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. In other words, we have been adopted into another kingdom. We have another home. We, we, have a, we have an eternal residence that we've been given, that we've been promised, that's secure, that, that is ours. And that we've been made over um, by the Holy Spirit because of the work of Jesus. He says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who, who through Christ reconciled himself to us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So in other words, God did this incredible work that he did something that, that no one, no, no, no entity anywhere in the universe had the power to do, that God did something that was uniquely his to do, that he reconciled us to himself. We couldn't fix our problem. The whole story of Israel in the Old Testament is people trying to live up to the law and being unable to do so. And so Israel is a story of the futility of trying to find your way to God and trying to please God without God. But the story of the gospel is, is that God himself did the work. God himself paid the price, that God himself is the reconciler, and that he gives us the opportunity to do little acts of reconciliation, that, and, and that ultimately we've been given this, this ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the gospel to be able to go out and tell men and women and boys and girls about the hope that can only be found in Jesus, and to apply the gospel into places so that broken situations are repaired by the power of the gospel. So we do things like teaching broken families about Christ and about his love for them, about them being created in the image of God, like we're talking about this morning, about Jesus purchasing our redemption and about, about us being created and, and fit for life with God. And that ultimately through the sacrifice of Jesus that, that, that we're restored and, and that we're brought and we're reconciled to the family of God and that we ultimately then get to go into the family business to tell other people and to lead other people to God. And we see families that when the gospel is applied to their brokenness, that we see changes start to happen. 
We see people that, that begin to live differently because they're different. We we need we we see people that 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 begin to that, that begin to live to God. Why? Because because ultimately that they have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because they've been changed because they've been made over. And that you and I have this incredible opportunity to be able to point the world, point to the world that we've been created in the image of God, that we've been made for something greater than that thing that we that we inherently think and know that we've been made for. That the world is dead in its sin and thinks that 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 the that the that the ultimate fulfillment in life is to is to enrich yourself in order to put yourself onto the throne of life in order to 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 be a self-made man or to be a self-made woman and and ultimately to to be successful for your own gain. But the ministry of reconciliation and the truth of, of understanding the image of God is that what we've been created for is relationship with God. What we've been created for is to, is to dwell in the presence of God and to be part of the family of God. And that we're never going to be happy when, when we're working to enrich ourselves or when we're trying to assert our own importance or, or when we're trying to elevate ourselves, that that's nothing but a walk of futility. And that, the, that this ambassadorship that we've been given is that we've been placed in this world, but we're not of this world. That we're citizens of America or Canada or Colombia or wherever it is that you're a citizen of, that, 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 that you're a citizen of a country, but that's not your real citizenship. That your real citizenship is in heaven. And the kingdom you represent is the kingdom of heaven, and the king that you represent is the king of heaven, Jesus. And then what you and I get the opportunity to do is we get to go into every place we go and we get to go into every interaction that we have and we get to do everything we do carrying the banner of Jesus and being his representative. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're looking at a hard day, if, if you've got something that you believe that you can't do today, you're just in the place where God wants you. If, if you're looking at a situation and, and you're seeing that like that it doesn't add up and I don't see how this is going to work and I don't I don't I don't I don't see how I can be the, the 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 person that can fix this. You don't have to. Because ultimately, you've been redeemed by Christ, you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit and God is at work in you. And your job is to reflect the image of God and to point people to the truth of the gospel and to allow God to work through you. So if you don't know what to do today, if you don't know where to go, pray. If you don't know how to proceed, do the next right thing. Do that thing that, that squares with scripture and, and, and reflects the, the integrity and the holiness of God. Do that thing that points people to Jesus and trust that God will order your steps. And that the same God who, who, who did the most insurmountable thing in redeeming me and you and curing our sin problem, that that God is going to work through you and he is for you because he has created you in his image. And he desires to draw glory from your life today. So let's don't forget that our job is to steward well and to tend well that those, those things that God has placed in front of us and to point glory to him and to testify to the truth of the gospel. And if we get that right, 
If we, if we spend our days doing those things in the midst of the opportunities that we have to, to serve and to give and to, to, to care for families and to care for children and to interact with governments and do all of those things that we do, if we get those things right, God will get much glory. And we will fulfill the image for which we've been created. Okay, we're going to take prayer requests. Jeremy is going to kind of step in for me and take some prayer requests. And uh, Peyton's going to be typing those requests. And, and, and then we're going to take some time. We're going to pray today. Uh, and and we're, going to, we're going to go before the Father because we know um, that ultimately God is our resource. He is our portion. Um, he is the one who provides. And ultimately, it's His image that we bear. And so, Jeremy, take it away. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.